Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Amen. Thank you, Blessing. is on his way. Amen. About nine years ago, uh, I came to KT. A few months before that, I wasn't born again, didn't know Jesus. So I was, uh, I was on the internet. And uh, I thought to myself, I'm looking for something. And I, I saw this gospel message, and I thought to myself, this gospel message, this is it. I believe this is true. So from that moment, I found myself, if you want to know the details, listen to the 9 o'clock service. But I found myself in KT, and I was listening to a man called R.T. Kendall. And I thought to myself, what he's saying, I want to understand I want to understand and I want to walk by it. What I didn't know is the moment I made that decision in my heart, I picked up my cross. So as the months and years went on, I became the children's pastor, I became the youth pastor, and a couple of months ago, well, maybe a year ago, close, I became the young adults leader. <laughs> And what I didn't know was that when you pick up your cross, your cross will always take you to the platform God has for you. Yeah. Now, your platform may not be a platform like this. Maybe your platform is at home, being an amazing mom. Revealing Christ on the, in the platform of home. Maybe your platform is being the best godly doctor that they've ever seen. Maybe your platform is being a young child, seven years old, who all they want to do is just live for God and their platform's their school. The bottom line is, is if you pick up your cross, your cross will take you to your platform. And in your platform, it has been designed for you, not only to be a success, but to reveal Christ. On your designated platform, you are supposed to be unstoppable. And this is the power of picking up your cross. Now, I haven't always picked up my cross. There's times I've been like Lot's wife and I look back. And the problem about looking back is, though I didn't turn to stone, I stopped moving. The question is this to everyone. Have you picked up your cross? And what is your cross to pick? I was uh, speaking to some people, and as the years have gone past, I've realized that picking up your cross means different things to different people. Like, for example, I want to use one of the leaders. I can just see him right now. His name's Harmon, right? He's very shy, but it's too late now. He's got a cross, right? He's wearing a cross. And not Harmon, but there was another person who said to me, picking up my cross is wearing a cross. I said, oh, Lord, no. Mm -mm. That is not what picking up your cross is. 
Then I hear the classic one. Um, How's your week been? It's been terrible. You know, the, the mortgage is a problem. Looking after the kids, it's just like everything's, everything's just going bad. I'm just, carrying, I'm just carrying my cross. And I thought to myself, wait, so carrying your cross is hardship. And it's not hardship. One of my friends, he watches football. And um, we were watching football, and he, he tried to abstain from football. So we were flicking through the channels, and the football came on. He's like, oh, I can't watch. I said, my brother, what are you doing? And he said to me, I'm abstaining, bro. I'm abstaining because I have to carry my cross. <laughs> and I said to myself, I don't know what type of cross this guy is carrying, but this isn't carrying your cross. Carrying your cross isn't about wearing a, uh, a chain that has a cross on it. Carrying your cross isn't about um, life's difficulties. And carrying your cross isn't about abstaining things. But I will say this. Concerning believers of Jesus Christ, what is your cross? This is what I would say. As a believer, number one, everyone's cross is the same. But we are called to surrender daily our bodies, our wills, our desires, our emotions to Jesus Christ daily. And as we do that, we carry our cross. So really... Carrying your cross is a call to intimacy with Jesus. That's what this is about. Discipline is great. You, you know, you can be disciplined. Discipline is actually really important. But the beautiful thing about discipline is as you are consistent with the Lord, what happens is you start to dig out what's in you until you find out that what laid beneath was a divinely inspired desire for God. But is your consistency going to allow you to perceive what God has already put inside of you? Picking up your cross is such an important thing. Listen to this, Matthew 22, 36 to 37. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's what carrying the cross looks like in scripture that's what carrying the cross sounds like but what do we do in order to pick up our cross what are the challenges of carrying your cross one thing i'll say to everyone is this you have been called to have relationship with jesus christ now the funny thing is this you know, you hear all the time, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And that's true. It's not about religion, it's, it is about relationship. But let's be real. We're going to be real today, church? I know people, not in this church. <laughs> I know people who are married. They're in a relationship. But there's no communication in that relationship. So there's no participation. There's no communi community or even communion with each other but legally, they are in a relationship. How true is that about your walk with the Lord? Are you in relationship legally because you believe in the blood? Or are you participating in the relationship you've been invited to? Now, this is different. Your participation in the relationship that God has given you, if you participate, 
you will manifest what I can only describe as eternal life. Now, eternal life isn't just living forever. Eternal life is actually the quality or standard of God's life. Now, the interesting thing about eternal life is this. Eternal life isn't given to anyone outside of God and his new creation. No one else has it. Angels do not have eternal life. Yeah, but Pastor Andrew, will, uh, will angels live forever? Will the good angels live forever? They'll live forever, but that's not what eternal life is. Eternal life is to live out the quality, the standard of God's life. So that means as a child of God who's been given eternal life, you have the capacity, the ability, the possibility to walk on earth just like God did. The question must be this. If this is true, how come I'm not experiencing it? Why am I not experiencing the eternal life that the Bible says I've received because I believe in the blood of Jesus? We're going to touch on that later. John 17.3 says this, eternal life is to know God. Now, the great thing about this word, know, is one of my favorite Greek words called ginosko. And what, mm, yes, we have a Greek um, understander here. Um, Genosco means experiential or relational knowledge. So, eternal life is to have relational knowledge with God. The interesting thing is this. If eternal life is to know God, I want you to add this to your memory banks. Those who know God make God known. I'll say that again. Maybe people at the back didn't hear. <laughs> Eternal life is to know God, but those who know God make God known. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, what does making God known look like? Yes, it does look like evangelizing. It does look like witnessing, but it's more than evangelizing and witnessing. Making God known is really how you live. Specifically, do you live a life of God love? Now, the word God love I've just coined up, but really the word is agape, and it's selfless. It's selfless love. Let me give you an interesting uh, question I asked uh, a very joyful mum. I said to this um, woman, do you love your child unconditionally? And she said to me, yes, I do. I said, you're lying. <laughs> and she said, no, it's not true. I said this, if you saw a child, you're in the shopping market, your child runs away. Another child who looks just like your child, wearing the same clothes, everything's the same. Would you love that child? She said, no, I wouldn't love that child. But I said, but why wouldn't you love that child? Because that child isn't mine. That's the condition. Unconditional love does exactly what it says on the tin. It's unconditional. There is no condition put on the love you give. Meaning this, let's now connect this to Christ. There was nothing, and everyone looks really good today, I must say, right? Some people look real well done, right? <laughs> but as good as you look, that's not why Jesus died for you. As smart as you are, that's not why Jesus died for you. As lovely as the country you're from, that's not why Jesus died for you. 
as good as you walk, it, that's not what, you see, there is nothing you have done that warrants God's love. God will never say, ah, that's the reason why I love you. No. The reason why God loves you is because God is love. Why is this so fascinating and why is this so important? It's important for you to understand this. God's love for you is designed to change you. Many people say to me, well, Pastor A, you know, like, God so loved the world, so, you know, he just has to take me as I am. And I said, yeah, the, he, he will take anyone as they are, but God loves you so much that he won't leave you as you are. So I'm going to ask everyone a question. Do you believe that upon, <laughs> if we put all of your sins, let's say I, I created a gadget and I put it on your head, and all of your sins was put on this screen. Hey, someone laughed too hard there. So, <laughs> if all of your sins were on the screen, I don't even know, people would just run, right? But do you think, if all your screens were on, if all your sins were on the screen, would you still think God loves you? Yeah? Yeah? Good, we've got some people already, right? Let me change the question. You had a, her- you had a terrible week. You sinned a top sin, right? Whatever a top sin is to you. <laughs> so you sin the top sin, right? And someone from church sees you the following day. Here's my question. Are you a sinner or are you righteous? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I heard some, some wrong answers there. The reality is this, guys. The reality is this. In fact, before I go into that, let's connect it. Um, background team, could you put a picture on the screen? Now, the point I'm going to make is this. The point I'm going to make is concerning what you do. And, and what, is it what you do that makes you a sinner? Let's, let's connect it to this. People who know me know that I like to study. I like to read. So I was taking some, I was making some study notes on Roman torture. Now, this is a really crazy torture that they've done. If you were a killer and you were, and you were found guilty, what they would do is they would find the body that you murdered and they would tie it on you. The purpose of this torture is that within three to four weeks, you would die. The reason why you would die is called putrefaction, if I've pronounced it well. Well, basically, the, the, the deafness on that corpse is sinking into your body. Disease, worms, is now coming into you. Right? Within three to four weeks, the person dies. And I thought to myself, this is really interesting, because maybe Apostle Paul saw this. Because there's some things he says in the Bible that makes me think like the following. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful desires. You see, the Bible says that the payment to sin is death. I want to explain what the old man is spiritually. The old man is the spiritual nature of an unbeliever. You see, this spiritual nature connects them to what I can only describe or what the Bible describes as the law of sin and death. So, what I mean is this. At the center of an unbeliever is, is, is the old man. The old man is the reason why they sin. And because the old man is there, they are called sinners. You see, 
But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says those who believe, they died in him. But you think to yourself, wait, hold on, but I'm still here, I'm not dead, what are you talking about? It's not your physical body he's talking about, it was the old man died with him. Meaning you've been set free. So if the natures change, you've changed. So if you've sinned as a believer, according to the Bible, you're still righteous. Your sinful activity doesn't dictate whether you are righteous or not. What dictates whether you're righteous or not is the belief in the blood of Jesus. It is that and only that. And some people say, oh, but Pastor Andrew, what about once saved, always saved? What do you say about that? And I give them this verse. Those who left us simply proved they were never for us in the first place. If you haven't read your Bible, you don't understand what I just said there. But what I am trying to say is this. If you've truly believed in the blood of Jesus Christ, your call now is to carry your cross. And sometimes you're going to have a day or a week, a month where it's bad. And maybe you weren't carrying your cross. And as a result, because you weren't carrying your cross, you were carrying the old man. All of a sudden, depression, loneliness, all of these concepts that aren't of the Lord start to enter your mind. And you start to flow and manifest them. And all of those sins that you thought you'd overcome are now in your life, in operation. And you're wondering, hold on, I thought I graduated from this sin five years ago. But unfortunately, there's no graduation to sin. There is no certificate. You've passed lust, continue. It doesn't work like that. The reality is this. When you carry your cross, you walk with the grace of God that allows you to overcome sin. You see, the problem with the word grace has been abused, unfortunately. It's been abused in the following way. Many people simply see it as, okay, well, by God's grace, I can sin. Ah, where's that in the Bible? He loves me anyway. Let me just continue. Ah, no. You see, you have to understand that there's different definitions of grace. Yes, it's unmerited favor, but there's one I want you to really grab hold on today. And that definition is this. God's ability to do in you what only God could do. So that grace is what is required for you to overcome sin. But you can't walk in that grace if you're not carrying your cross. And carrying your cross is your decision to walk intimately with the Lord Jesus Christ. Intimacy leads to you understanding your identity. Identity leads to you walking in authority. When you walk in authority, you are authorized to release power. Now, the power isn't just laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. The power is the fruit of the Spirit. Your ability to forgive the unforgivable is now there. Why? Because you realize it's not you anymore who's in control. You now are in agreement with Paul. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Why? Because you've chosen to make a commitment to carry your cross. Now, back to the point we made earlier. If you were to do wrong, let's say that the ground level, this is an example to the people on the ground level. Let's say that the ground level represents people who are doing sin. Okay, let me join you guys. Right? So, right now, I'm a believer, but I'm not walking, I'm not picking up my cross. Am I righteous? Or wicked? 
Um, someone said righteously wicked. No. <laughs> right? You're righteous. But the problem is, you don't believe it. You don't believe that you're righteous. You don't believe... You know what I realized? Righteousness is connected to love. When I realized this, my head... I nearly just ran around my house. You know, my... Anyway... The love of God, when you receive the love of God, and guys, you, you can't say, yeah, Pastor A, I received the love of God in 1965, on a Tuesday, it was a lovely day. No, 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 no. You are many years down, right, and lagging, and lacking. Receiving the love of God is required daily. Why? Because when you receive the love of God, it empowers you to walk in the grace of God so you know that you are righteous. You see, righteousness is having right standing with God. But righteousness isn't just about having right standing with God. It's, a, it's the ability to do what's right at the right time. And you can't choose that. That ability is pre-programmed in that life that Christ gave you. So you don't have to do anything in that sense. But you do. If you strive for anything, the Bible says, strive to enter into rest. Freedom from you living in effort. I'm trying. How many people are struggling with whatever your struggle is? I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. And your force, your effort is proof there's no trust in God. There's no trust. And the reality is this. The door's open at the back, and it represents that you guys are all one hot, but for the sake of this illustration, free to go. The door's been made open. You can go whenever you want. But we're all here. Thank God. <laughs> but my main point is this. Take this illustration in the supernatural. How many have been set free by the blood of Jesus? The doors are open, but people don't walk out. You're, you've been freed, but you're not experiencing your freedom. Why? This is why. The old man, which I explained, and that picture, right, represents the old spirit, the old nature that's no longer part of you anymore. You're free from it. Here's the challenge. The old man left some clothes on you. And that clothes is the unrenewed mind. That which has not been made new gives way to the old. Hmm. If your mind isn't renewed, okay, let's imagine, everyone knows the route they're going to take to go home. Everyone knows it. If you don't change that route, you're always going to go past the same things. And if there's big issues on certain corners, you're always going to go through issues on those corners. But until you change your route to get home, you won't be able to overcome the challenges, and the challenges will always remain there. What I'm trying to say to you is this. There are pathways in your mind that the Lord wants to renew. And when you renew them, the old man won't be in operation, and the new man will. You've been designed, literally, as a new creation to be an overcomer. 
but you can't be an overcomer. You can't experience overcoming just because you declare I'm an overcomer. You have to make a commitment. You have to pick up your cross. Now, let's address some stuff. What makes carrying your cross difficult? What makes it difficult is many things. Let's run through a few. Being legalistic. Try not to smile at me or I'll point you out. What's legalism? Legalism is this. I do ABC for God to do EFG. How many people have tried that and EFG didn't come? And then you had the audacity to be angry. You said, ah, where was God? I done ABC, he didn't do EFG. You see, the problem with that is this. Your trust, the legalistic person's trust, is not on Christ, it's on what you do. But if you truly knew the finished work of the cross, the death and resurrection, you would realize that everything you need has been provided or done already. You see, sometimes I think, sometimes I think we think God's like a human. You know, especially as the parents, you know, your, your child asks you for something last minute. You're like, I didn't know. And you'll get upset and you'll try to find it. Do you think God's like that? You pray to the Lord, Lord, I need this. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> God's not like that. God's not like that. You see, let me tell you this, right? I'm going to teach you something very deep. Deep level prayer is when a believer says what's already on God's heart. You're speaking out God's will, and that's why it's answered prayer, because you're asking by faith what God wants to give you by faith anyway. But there's a price to pay, and the price is picking up your cross. It does take time. It does take effort. But there's so many benefits when we do pick up our cross. When we pick up our cross, the old man, the Bible says, when we pick up our cross and we know in our hearts by faith, the old person doesn't exist anymore. The old person actually is on the cross. The beautiful thing, if you remember that picture, the old, the, the dead, the, that which was dead was literally on the person. That's what killed them. You know what's so amazing? If you keep the old man on the cross... Now the cross, oh, now you understand the cross is your mercy seat on an even higher level. Why? Because it protects you from sin and death. It protects you from sin and death. You see, God wants you to walk in freedom. He wants so many things to happen in and through us. Check this out. Jesus, God-man, he terrorized, in a good way, the land of Jerusalem, the land of Israel, with healing, um, casting out devils, blind eyes made open, the lame walking. You name the work of the devil, destroyed, even death. The Bible says that if the, 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 those in charge knew, and I, I believe that this is also spiritual as well, if those 
knew that what would, what would take place as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection, they wouldn't have crucified him. And I thought about, my, about this, and I thought to myself, but why? Why, why? why would this be an issue? Then I thought to myself, I got it. Because that one God-man who was doing amazing things, that one God-man, you see, that, that verse, unless a grain of wheat shall die, up, uh, uh, unless, unless a grain of wheat shall fall upon the ground and die, it remains but a single grain. But Jesus, the seed, did fall, he did die, and he didn't remain a single grain. You grains came. So imagine this. Imagine, the Bible says that Jesus, he done so many things that if there was, all the books in the world couldn't um, fill up what he'd done. Wait, hold on. If one Godman done that, there's about what, 700, 800 people here right now. What happened if 800 people in Katie alone done that? What happened if 800 people, Katie alone said, you know what, I'm not going to live for self anymore. I'm really understanding the beauty of the cross and I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to look like Jesus. That means the doctors in this room have an opportunity to reveal to us what would Jesus look like if he was a doctor. The musicians in this room have an opportunity to show the world what would Jesus look like if he was a musician. What would Jesus look like if he was a Kenyan woman with three kids? One of the moms in this ministry would know that. Why? Because she's given an opportunity to reveal that. You ask yourself this question. Really ask yourself this question. Is carrying my cross worth it? And if it's worth it, how about we all start carrying it? How about we remind ourselves daily of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about we humble ourselves? We humble ourselves and we, we take our cross. But let me tell you this. A human's greatest issue is pride. It's not fear, it's pride. I was talking to Pastor Claude F. a couple of weeks ago, and I said, Pastor Claude F., I think pride is actually the greatest issue to, the, to, to a human. And she said, go on, explain yourself. So I'm going to explain myself. <laughs> right? She said to me, I said to her, okay, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. So we went, the, we went to the Garden. The last time we hear Adam and Eve talk to God was when God said, be fruitful and multiply. The next time we hear from um, Adam and Eve, they're talking to the devil. Now, check what the, 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 the snake offers. He offers the following. Function from your own understanding of good and evil. You define what good is. You define what evil is. Essentially, he was saying, be your own God. You define what life is and how to see life. And as a result of of that, guess what? They say, you know what? We want to be just like God. We want to be able to, 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 to do that, to know good from evil. The reality is they were already like God. 
your lack of knowledge about God doesn't make you less of God's. Which means this. What did they fall into? They fell into pride. Biblical pride essentially looks like, or let's say Christian pride looks like the moments, the days, the weeks, the months, even the years when we are walking by ourselves for ourselves. Don't hear the word arrogance when I say pride. Go beyond that, right? Pride is essentially when you're walking by yourself, for yourself. You're by yourself. Even though God is with you, you're not aware of his presence. And because you're not aware of his presence, guess what? Then fear comes. Because you are walking in pride. Where's that? In the Garden of Eden. So when they heard God walk down, what did they do? They hid. Fear. Before that, the Bible says that their eyes opened. They came into an understanding of a perspective that didn't exist before. How they saw God, how they saw themselves, how they saw each other changed because of pride. Ask yourself this on a relational level. Is how you see your spouse, how you see your brother, your sister, your friend, is how you see them righteous? And if it's not righteous, be careful that you don't fall into self-righteousness. Because self-righteousness is, I trust in what I do. When you trust in what you do in order for God to do something for you, that's not trusting in the righteousness of God. To trust in the righteousness of God, you trust in the blood of Jesus. That simple belief, that's why the the gospel is is known as the nearly too good to be true news. Why? Because this story, really, the gospel, if you think about it, is ridiculous. You're telling me I get away scot-free. That's what people say to me. The reality is this. They've nearly got it. Who they think they are has changed. And when you function from the reality of your changedness in Christ, then people begin to see Christ in you. What's stopping you from picking up your cross? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it bondage of, of, of fear, loneliness, generational curses? What is stopping you? Understand this. Another thing that affects us picking up our cross is the proximity, your proximity to the heart of God. You see, how close you are to the heart of God will affect what you hear from God and if you hear from God. John 12, 29. The crowd that was there um, um, heard it and said it had funded. Others said an angel had spoken to him. In context here, the father had spoken to Jesus. Look at that. Where their hearts were affected what they heard. Some just heard it up in thunder. Some thought it was angels. It was neither. It was the father. How close to you, how close are you to the father's heart right now? What do you believe a Christian should look like? Do you believe that a Christian should simply wear glasses, come dressed fine on a Sunday, wear brown shoes, you know, 
um, um, bring um, their family, um, pray now and again, tithe now and again. If you think that's what Christianity is, that is all, that is all you're going to get from Christianity. And the reality is, Jesus didn't die for that. He died for so much more. How do we pick up our cross? I'm very upset with this answer. I like fabulous answers, but it's very basic. How do we pick up our cross? We give thanks to the goodness of God. What is the goodness of God? It's everything that God has done for us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're forgiven, you're loved, you're delivered, you're healed, you're sealed, you have the Holy Spirit, you have eternal life, you're righteous, you have right standing with God, you have grace upon your life, you are blessed and, and highly favoured. All of these realities are yours. These are the things we're supposed to give thanks about. How interesting the Bible says, it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Meaning, if we consistently give thanks to God's goodness, the chances are we might change. So give thanks, but please, 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 don't give thanks like, uh, Father, mm, I thank you for um, my shoes. <laughs> I thank you for the air. Mm. Uh, don't, don't do that. Focus on the finished work of the cross. Focus on the precious promises. Focus on the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. They all talk about what is true in God's eyes about you. And if you don't see what God sees about you, you're going to see the wrong thing. And if you see the wrong thing, you're going to identify as the wrong person. And if you identify as the wrong person, you're going to do the wrong thing. So identity is key. Meditate on the word. Declare the word. Be consistent. Blessing was a blessing. And she read um, the, the main verse out. Pick up your cross daily. Be open to God. Be consistent with your prayer life. Join a cell or a discipleship group. Join Truly Free, led by... Um, by uh, Pastor Claude F. and Marcelo. Um, join the discipleship course led by Scott as and when it starts again. Join whatever the church is offering. Do something, connect, be accountable to someone. Why? Not because we want to know your business and we'll preach it on a Sunday when you're not here. No. <laughs> the reason why we're saying that is if you have people who are running for God and carrying their cross themselves, then the chances are it's going to inspire you in your weak moments to carry your cross too. Final point. Remember the gospel. Don't think you graduate from the gospel. Don't think, ah, I heard it when I was 16. Let's learn about demons and angels and, and stuff. Let me just get to a higher level. Learning about that stuff is great. But don't forget about the gospel. You never graduate from the gospel, right? What you're supposed to do is, as, we, um, as the depth of our revelation of the gospel increases, our roots in Christ deepen. And you become unshakable when you realize just how good and how great he is. Carrying your cross produces so many things. It produces the seven spirits of God, um, Isaiah 11:2. Do your research. 
And Luke 9, 23, listen, um, um, Hebrews 11, 6, one of my favorite bits. And this is how I want to end this message. Hebrews 11, 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So I want to add this bit to a gospel presentation right now. Jesus loves you. And at the moment I say that, it may just be head knowledge. God doesn't want it to be head knowledge. He wants it to be heart knowledge. Because when it's heart knowledge, it's real to you. The Bible calls it faith. Jesus died for your sins. He died to remove your sin nature, the old man. To give you a new nature, his nature, it's righteous, it's, it's perfect. He raised from the dead, defeating sin and death, sinless. Imagine, imagine if Jesus lived in your house and, you know, some of your, your mouths at times, parents have called me, Pastor Andrew, I need to hear something. If I hear the language, I say, ah. But we all have hard days, right? My point is this, in the most difficult household, Jesus still wouldn't sit in it. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. That life, that sinless life is able to make your life different. I want everyone to close their eyes. Maybe you haven't heard the gospel message spoken this way with love at the center. God loves you so much, irrespective of how you identify yourself, how you, what you think about, what you've done. There is no level of sin that is too high or too great for the blood of Jesus. It has the ability to cleanse all. If you are hearing these words and believe, wow, this is true. I never knew he, he, he loved me like that. I never knew his love was designed to change me. I didn't know he wanted to give me a new life. I didn't know that this life he raised from the dead with, he wants to give it with me and he wants to share life on earth with me. I didn't know, and it's a free gift. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to tithe extra harder. You just have to accept it to be true. If that's you.